More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Hey, welcome to the first full-length episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I am so excited to be finally launching this podcast. I've been thinking about it and praying about it for quite a while now, and I'm just excited to dive right in. And I want to thank you so much for downloading the podcast, for listening today. I know there are so many amazing choices out there. So the fact that you're spending this time with me, it means so much. And one of my hopes for Survivor Sanctuary is that it's going to be beneficial to every single person who listens. Uh, Maybe you'll hear something you've never heard before that's going to help you in your journey of healing from sexual abuse if you are a survivor. Maybe you'll hear something that's going to help you be more empathetic and be more helpful to survivors of sexual abuse. Um, Maybe it's just helpful to know that other people are going through the same struggle that you are. But whatever the case may be, I am so honored that you're choosing to spend this time with me. I really, really appreciate it. And I would absolutely love to hear from you because one thing I love doing is connecting with people. And there are so many great ways to do that. SurvivorSanctuary.com is a great place to start. And you can also send me an email to Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y at SurvivorSanctuary.com. Maybe you just want to share your story. Maybe you want to give me some comments about the episode, whatever it is. I'd absolutely love to hear from you and to know more about you. So thanks first and foremost for tuning in. And I'm going to say tuning in. I feel like um, being in radio for the past, goodness, um, 19 years now, it's going to be really hard for me to separate the podcast from radio broadcasting. It's going to be, I'm going to try, but it's going to be a little tough for me sometimes. So if I use a little radio lingo here and there, you'll just have to forgive me or send me an email and tell me I need to shape up. That's fine too. So before I dive into the purpose of the podcast and all that good stuff, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Kelly Downing, which uh, you may have heard in the introduction, and I live in sunny South Florida. It's a wonderful place. It's going to be wonderful in about two months. I'm going to say that right now. uh, Love South Florida, but I prefer to look at it out a window, like inside with the air conditioner blasting, because right now, August in South Florida, it's kind of like you walk outside and it feels like someone has wrapped you in a wet sleeping bag, just like soaking wet and placed you gently onto the surface of the sun. Like that is what the weather's like outside. In a couple of months, it's going to be amazing and everyone on earth is going to want to be right here. But right now, I don't know. Um, I'm feeling like Alaska would, would be a lot more fun at this point, but weather aside, this is where I live. It's home. My parents dragged me here kicking and screaming when I was 15 years old. They love to move. It was like their favorite thing on earth. They're like, Hey, we haven't uh, done anything exciting lately. How about we move to a new state or a new country this weekend? Does that work for you? Cause that's pretty much how it was growing up. We were all over the place, but when I was 15 years old, we landed in South Florida and I've pretty much been here ever since. And I love it. 
it. Um, it was, wow, a long time ago, but it's home now. I was born in the great state of Ohio, so go Buckeyes. And when I was a little kid, my dad felt God calling him to be a missionary. And so a lot of my childhood was spent on what was called deputation. And it's essentially where we would just drive around to different churches in Ohio, churches in other states. And my parents would raise money to be able to move to Southeast Asia to be missionaries. So that was the majority of my childhood. And when I was six years old, in fact, um, I landed with my family in Malaysia on my sixth birthday, February the 16th of 1986. And my parents were going to go to language school for several months. And then we made the big move to Indonesia, where we stayed for several years as my dad did missions work there. So Indonesia was fabulous. I have amazing memories of Indonesia. I absolutely loved that country and the people there and the food there. Oh, my goodness. But uh, one of the most damaging things I've ever experienced in my entire life happened to me in Indonesia. In fact, I would say the most damaging thing that has ever happened to me in my life happened in Indonesia. So it's kind of like this bittersweet. Um, I have such wonderful memories. I would love to go back. I haven't traveled back there since I was a kid and I would absolutely love to, but there's always this, you know, just that knowledge that the worst thing that's ever happened to me happened while we were there. At six years old, as my parents were busy with missions work and not super concerned that somebody in a faith community would want to hurt their daughter, uh, we just didn't think that anything like that would happen. I know I never did. I trusted people, uh, just thought that everybody had my best interest at heart. And when we met a man in my church, uh, we thought he had our best interest at heart as well. He was super nice to me and my siblings. I'm one of five kids. And he would bring us candy. I, I remember him bringing pagodas. They're like this super strong, like Indonesian breath mint. And he would bring those to us. And he was an artist. And he always drew like very kid-friendly pictures and things like that. He'd give us piggyback rides. He was just a fun person. And we really enjoyed being around him. But a few months into meeting him, he betrayed the trust that he had earned from me and from my family, and he sexually abused me on multiple occasions, and that was something that I buried very deep inside. So I'm not going to get into a lot of the details of my abuse and the immediate effects, um, because this is just our first episode, and I kind of just want to introduce myself and my story, but I do want to let you know that that is how I came to care so deeply about advocating for victims of sexual abuse, and it's how I came to care so deeply about speaking out about sexual abuse within the church because I was abused by somebody who was very popular in the church. He was the brother of a pastor's wife at a little local Indonesian church. Everybody knew him. He was always volunteering with kids. And to this day, he continues to be in very good standing in the same church, despite the fact that I came forward with my story um, of his abuse of me. And it was uncovered that he had abused other girls as well. And he continues to work with children in that church. So 
am very passionate about speaking out uh, against sexual abuse, especially within the church, because that's where it happened to me. And uh, I will share more of my story, of course, in coming episodes. But for now, I just want to say this is why I care so deeply about sexual abuse, because these experiences of abuse uh, may not have lasted a super long time. I was actually able to get out of the situation I was in. My family moved and I was away from him. And so he wasn't able to hurt me anymore. But what I didn't understand at the time and what I struggled to understand for many years after that was it didn't matter if I had put distance between myself and my abuser. It didn't matter if it was over and it wasn't happening to me anymore because those experiences of abuse were like this little rudder steering the massive ship that was my life. And it's kind of crazy to think about, but if you've started this journey of healing from sexual abuse, you know what I'm talking about. It is so eye-opening when you finally realize, oh my goodness, I've been living my life for the past 30 years, 20 years, however many years it's been for you, as one big reaction to those unwanted sexual experiences. I've been living my life as one big reaction to this. And it took me a lot of years to realize that. I struggled in so many areas of my life, and we'll definitely get to those in future episodes. Um, I am excited to just be transparent and to just share because I feel like change can't happen if we're not willing to be open and be honest about the reality of childhood sexual abuse. I'm not saying that everybody should start a podcast and just air everything that's happened to them or write a blog, which I've done also. Not saying that, but I feel like I want to be as transparent as possible in order to bring attention to the fact that sexual abuse permeates every aspect of our lives and it affects us so deeply and scientists are uncovering the fact that it affects us down to our DNA at a cellular level. So when someone goes through a childhood trauma like this, it's not as simple as, okay, it's over now and you can just put it in the past and move on. It, it actually affects the way your brain develops and the way your body works and it's just kind of crazy when you start digging into the science and the psychology behind it. So I started doing that several years ago when I just realized I am having so many struggles and I considered myself a fairly high functioning person. Like it seemed like, okay, I should be able to have a pretty great handle on life. And yet there were things in my life that were such a deep, deep struggle. And I didn't feel like anybody understood. I would try to explain to people, okay, this is this is why I keep messing up every relationship that I've ever been in. This is what happens to me whenever I'm faced with X, Y, Z. And I was just met with like these blank stares of people like, that's a really weird problem you're having. I don't really understand what it is. So finally, I made the decision to go and see a counselor. I thought, you know, I'm going to make one last ditch effort to see if maybe there's something going on that I just don't understand and that I don't know about. I thought maybe we'll get into some family of origin stuff. You know, everybody has issues and dysfunction from their family of origin. So I was assuming that's probably the work that we would do. So I walk into a therapist's office and I'm just like, hey, I think there might be something wrong with me. That's why I'm here today. Um, you know, I'm struggling with X, with Y, with Z, and I don't know why, and I just need you to help me. And that day... And that decision changed my life forever because I was basically 
facing for the very first time the fact that something had happened to me and I was struggling as a result. And the work that I've done since then, whether it's been with therapists or reading books or just doing soul searching or journaling or whatever it might be, uh, it's been this crazy ride where I have experienced so much deep and profound healing. And I know now the ways that sexual abuse affected me. And it is one of my heart's desires to just be able to share those experiences to help anybody else who might be struggling. And in sharing, I hope that I may be able to help someone else who's struggling, maybe in the ways that I was struggling, to have some hope as they journey toward healing from sexual abuse. And it is a journey, uh, not a destination, which I was really depressed to figure out, you know, like a week into being like, oh my goodness, I finally see the pieces of the puzzle are all coming together. I was so hugely affected by what happened to me. And I've basically been living my entire life as a reaction to this. And it was crazy to think about. Part of me was very much grieving all of the things that had been lost. And so it was kind of a, a sad and, and experience of almost mourning. But at the same time, I was so excited because I thought, well, now that I know what's wrong, everything's going to change and everything's going to be great. And I thought, all right, these 10 steps to healing, I'm going to take them, give me three or four months, everything's going to be fine. And then I'm going to be like, a-okay. And that was a little bit of a rude awakening for me. Wasn't super thrilled to realize that the journey of healing from sexual abuse is lifelong. I don't want that to scare you, especially if you're just starting to face your past and kind of work through some abuse in your own life. Uh, don't be scared when I say it's a journey because I know that feeling. I mean, I just shared with you, I was so excited. Now I know what's wrong and it'll all be fixed and I'll never have to deal with it again. But there are so many layers. And as I mentioned a little bit ago, sexual abuse and childhood trauma of any kind, really, it affects you down to your core at a cellular level. It affects you physiologically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, like pretty much every way you can be affected, you're going to be affected by a trauma like that. So working through it takes a lot of time, but I want to offer you hope and I want to offer you encouragement. There is profound healing to be had. And I will tell you this, I am a completely different person today than I was that April morning, um, not even five years ago, when I walked into a therapist's office and I was like, dude, dude you got to fix me. I mean, basically, that's it. This is my problem. You got to fix it. Um, so much change has taken place. So while it is a journey, not a destination, I will say that you're going to have some a profound healing moments on this journey. And so I want to offer that hope to you. Okay, we're going to take a quick pause for a segment of the show that I like to call Somebody Smarter Than Me. Well, today, Somebody Smarter Than Me wrote a book. Her name is Mary DeMuth, and her book, We Too, How the Church Can Respond Redemptively to the Sexual Abuse Crisis, released yesterday. I'm so excited to dive into this book. I have read little snippets and parts, and I've been following along the We Too journey as Mary has talked about and written about the publishing of this book and the release, which happened yesterday. But if you head to the website, we2.org, you can find out more about the book. And if you're a pastor or a ministry leader, you can also get a free 30-page vetted list of resources 
for dealing with sexual abuse in your church. There's counseling resources, help for survivors, child protection and abuse prevention, best practices, and a lot more. So head to we2.org. You can find out more about the book, We Too, How the Church Can Respond Redemptively to the Sexual Abuse Crisis. And Mary knows a lot about this. She is a survivor of sexual abuse as a child, and I know that her book is going to really touch so many lives and help so many people and so many churches. So check it out, wetoo.org. That's it for somebody smarter than me. Okay, let's get back into it. So one of the things that really began to weigh on my heart as I began healing was the element of my faith and the fact that I had been abused by someone in my faith community and someone who went to the same church that I went to and someone who was at the time that I started going to therapy, I discovered he was in church leadership and you know, I just struggled with the fact that I had grown up in church and that I had basically been in church since I was an embryo. Like that is legitimately true. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I lived in the church. My mom was, I I would not be surprised if she told me that she actually just gave birth to me. Like, you know, I went to the basement, had you came back up and, you know, joined in with the organ playing Shall We Gather at the River. But I was in church from the time I was in my mother's womb and I never once heard anybody mention anything about childhood sexual abuse or sexual abuse of any kind at all. Like we have stories in the Bible about sexual abuse. We have stories in the Bible about sexual assault. There is a lot from God's word that we can learn about surviving sexual abuse and God's heart around abuse. And I never heard any of it growing up in church. And I'm talking Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And uh, if there was a revival of some kind going on every single night of the week, and I managed to never hear anything about childhood sexual abuse. And obviously that's a problem because I had experienced this abuse and it made me feel like I just needed to bury it and forget about it. And I was so confused about it that it was easier to not think about it. And I realize now that the church would have been a great place for me to hear God's heart about abuse and how he feels when uh, one of his children is mistreated. But I never, never heard anything, not in a sermon, not in a Sunday school lesson, not even in youth group where, you know, they would talk about sexuality and purity and all kinds of stuff. I I remember having a very frank discussion with one youth pastor Uh, with the whole youth group where we were allowed to ask questions about a sex and still never came up the subject of, of sexual abuse. And so it was something I've pretty much had to deal with on my own. So at 15 years old, my family had recently moved to South Florida and I was supposed to be working on my schoolwork and I was not working on my schoolwork. I was homeschooled. I just refused to go to school. We moved to South Florida and I was so tired of moving and I was so tired of making friends all over again. And I think part of me thought, we're not going to be here long enough for it to matter. So I just told my parents, listen, order me some books. I don't want to go to school. And they didn't argue. So they did. They were like, all right, we know you're going to be studious and you're going to do all your work. And instead, I watched TV most of the time while they were at work. So I'm watching Oprah one day 
And I remember that Oprah had quite a few episodes about sexual abuse and child molestation and things that I had never really heard anybody in the church or otherwise talking about openly. And my ears would always just perk up whenever she would start talking about things. And I was just in trance, like I couldn't not listen. And I remember one day she said something that was super life-changing for me. She talked about the fact that sometimes with sexual abuse, you know, people think it's their fault. They think that they asked for it. They think that they caused it. And she said, it's not your fault. And at 15 years old, I was nine years removed from the abuse that I had experienced. And for the very first time in my entire life, somebody said, and her name was Oprah, that the sexual abuse I had experienced as a six-year-old was not my fault. And um, I didn't believe her. So I just want to put that out there. I was like, well, if Oprah really knew what happened, she would definitely not be including me in the group of people whose fault it is not that they were abused. So I had a lot of that to work through. But I just remember the feeling that no one has ever said that they get what happened to me. No one has ever said Uh, out loud what it was that even happened to me. I didn't even know if I could call it sexual abuse or if I could say, okay, yes, I was molested. And I had no point of reference for any of the things that had happened to me as a kid. And then suddenly this information was there. Uh, So I would watch episodes every once in a while and I would try to find as much information as possible, but I wasn't ready to deal with the abuse at that time. I just wasn't ready for it. Um, I was still living in a pretty big form of denial. And so I thought it hadn't really affected me, so it didn't really matter. And I didn't try to do any healing because I didn't really think that I needed to heal. Honestly, I thought, you know, well, thank goodness. I have no effects from the abuse. It happened. And thank goodness, I'm not dealing with any effects of abuse in my life. It reminds me a little bit of my dad a couple of years ago. About two and a half years ago now, my dad suffered from a pretty massive stroke. And he woke up in the hospital and we all knew um, they had had to put him kind of like in a medically induced coma. And so we knew like that his left side wasn't working properly. He wasn't talking properly, um, that there was a lot of residual effect. We didn't know how bad it was, but when my dad started talking to a pastor that had come to visit him, I remember him saying, well, yeah, you know, I, I had a stroke and, and the doctors, you know, they say there's, there's no residual effects. So good news. And the way that he was talking, it was very difficult to even understand him because of all of the effects from the stroke. And he was just oblivious to them. And for good reason, you know, he was on a lot of medication and no one had really talked to him in depth about it because we just weren't at that point yet. But he was paralyzed on his left side, unable to use his left arm or his left leg. Um, There were a lot of things that I won't get into here that changed for him when he had that stroke and he was completely oblivious. You know, he's talking with this very affected speech and not able to do the normal things that he was able to do, not sounding normal, not acting normal, but saying to someone with full confidence, there were no residual effects. And when I think back on the way that I viewed the abuse that happened to me, that's exactly what it was. 
Thank God there are no residual effects like I experienced this thing and I moved on from it and I am a happy and whole person who is not in need of any form of healing because nothing's wrong with me and it wasn't that I was trying to believe that. I a thousand percent believed it. That was just kind of in my naivety and as a young person where you haven't yet started to deal with some of the more complicated parts of life and that's usually when you start to really feel those effects of the trauma you experience as a child when you get a little bit older and so I was kind of walking around in this cloud of oblivion and when I finally started hearing things about abuse like from Oprah which I just mentioned um I really, I was profoundly affected by it, but I still had that mentality, well, I don't need to heal from sexual abuse because I, you know, I don't really have any negative effects from it. Thank you, Jesus. You know, that was my mentality on it. So when I finally did start this journey to healing, as I mentioned a little bit ago, um, it just started to really bother me, the fact that there wasn't really anything in church that I'd ever heard about sexual abuse. I mean, I had been in church literally since I was in an ovary, and Oprah is the one that had to tell me that I had been sexually abused and that it wasn't my fault. And it just really started to bug me so much that this was something the church was not ever talking about. The most damaging thing that had ever happened to me and the thing that had affected me the most in my entire life, and not a peep, from the place and the people where I spent most of my time and where I was supposed to be learning the most about what life's all about. And I began to be really bothered by that. And when I started to heal from sexual abuse because I decided to go and seek help from a therapist, it really started to bother me that that had been my experience and the experience of so many other people that they weren't finding these answers that they needed in church and they weren't finding healing in church. They were having to go other places for it because the church wasn't talking about it at all. And I started to get pretty upset about it because pretty quickly uh, as I began this journey of healing, as I started to share my story with more and more people, it seemed like um, not only were people not very well equipped in the church to be of help, In fact, a lot of people said things and did things that really seemed to be very hurtful and just the opposite of healing and the opposite of safety and the opposite of what a person who's healing from sexual abuse needs. And so I started to experience that and I started to hear from other survivors who were experiencing the same things. You know, people were throwing these trite little phrases and platitudes at people Um, sprinkling scripture on people. That's my favorite. You just toss scripture around like confetti, these random little snippets when somebody's sharing their deepest pain and heartache. And you're just like, here's some scripture confetti. You know, I'm going to just toss it all over you and then you're going to sparkle and everything's going to be fine. And um, it was just pretty damaging. And I remember hearing some very hurtful things and I began to kind of withdraw and feel like church is not a safe place to talk about my story. Church is not a safe place. And, And a lot of my Christian friends are not safe people to go to. And I don't say that with animosity. I don't believe that many people in the church purposely are not helpful or purposely hurt survivors of sexual abuse. But I will say that whether it's out of ignorance or something else, church is basically the last place 
that I would encourage a survivor of sexual abuse to go for help. And I don't, I don't say that again with animosity. It's not with an attitude toward the church that, you know, I, I want churches to go away and not exist anymore, or I think they're horrible places. It's not that I grew up in the church. I have always had a love for the church and that's something that despite my frustrations hasn't changed. I don't feel like all church buildings just need to be demolished. Sometimes I feel like that, but by and large, I just feel like we need a shift in the way that we do things. We need a shift in the way that we minister to people so that survivors of sexual abuse don't have to wait until 30 years after their abuse to begin to experience healing from it. And that is a big part of why I wanted to start this podcast. And that is to just encourage and challenge the church to be a better place for victims of sexual abuse. So if you are familiar at all with sexual abuse, I'm sure that you've heard the statistic that one in four girls and one in six boys will be victimized by childhood sexual abuse before they turn 18 years old. And so that means that when you sit in your church congregation on Sunday mornings or whenever you happen to go, or even if you don't go, 20.5% of every congregation is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. That's more than two out of every 10 or one out of every five people. We've got churches filled with people whose lives have been affected by childhood sexual abuse, and we're not talking to them. We're not offering help, and we're not offering healing. And truth be told, we're actually encouraging people to be silent about the fact that they've been abused because it's not something that's comfortable for people to talk about. It doesn't feel super spiritual to talk about sexual abuse out loud. And so a lot of people just choose not to do it, but that makes church not a particularly safe place for a survivor of childhood sexual abuse to go. So I mentioned a little while ago about my dad having had a massive stroke two and a half years ago. And so life is very different for him now. And I bring that up because when my dad has to go to church, um, it's a complicated process. He has this special like contraption where uh, you can get him into the car using this lift and it's not a wheelchair lift. It's actually a person lift. It's it's very complicated. And especially in the South Florida sun, it gets pretty awful for my mom to struggle getting him into the car and getting him to church and taking out his wheelchair and getting him in the chair. And then, you know, it, it's there are so many little things that the average person wouldn't think about that go into my dad just trying to get to and sit through a church service and then get home. And I kind of relate that back to the way that churches tend to ignore the crisis of childhood sexual abuse and tend to ignore the fact that they've got a big chunk of their congregations who are suffering from the effects of abuse. And so I think of it this way. What if every single church was made up of 20% stroke survivors, like my dad. Um, Maybe they were affected on their right side instead of their left, like he was. Maybe some people have lesser effects. Um, Maybe some people have worse residual effects from the stroke. Um, Maybe some people are using wheelchairs. Some people are using canes. Maybe some people are walking with walkers, but the point is, if every church congregation was made up of 20% stroke survivors, 
how would we do church differently? Because I feel like we would definitely do a lot of things differently. You'd probably have more handicapped parking spaces. You'd probably have more handicapped accessible areas in your church. You would probably have the chairs set up differently to accommodate different medical devices that people needed to have with them. You might do communion differently. Uh, If you think about Sunday school teachers and pastors and youth pastors, if one out of every five people was a stroke survivor, that subject is probably going to be making it into a sermon or into a Sunday school lesson or into a youth group message or even into a small group study because you see the effects on the outside and how people have to struggle and how life is just a little bit different for them and a little more difficult to get through. The difference with the 20% of every congregation that has survived sexual abuse is you don't see it on the outside. You may see it in behavior. You may see it in in some emotional ways. You may see it in some life choices, but it's really hard to see on the outside the struggle that someone is having in the aftermath of sexual abuse. And then when the church never, ever talks about it, like, can you imagine one out of every five people in your church, uh, they've survived a stroke and you never talk about it. Like we're just, this is the elephant in the room. Nobody mention it. Just act like everything's normal. Like that's not going to happen, but it happens every single day in our churches with survivors of sexual abuse. And that is a huge part of why I wanted to start this podcast because I just want to see that change. But honestly, the more that I see uh, how the church deals or doesn't with sexual abuse, the more that I see what is going on in the world, the more that I'm absolutely convinced that if we want to see a change in our churches, it is survivors of sexual abuse who are going to be the ones who are taking other survivors by the hand and saying, we're here for you, we see you, and we want to help. And I, I like the idea of somebody who didn't suffer from sexual abuse, just being like, hey, you guys have gone through enough and you don't need to be the ones trying to help everybody else. But I just, I feel like that is how it's going to be. And I see that every single day when I see so many awesome survivors of abuse who are reaching out to other people who are advocating for other people who are suffering. And it just makes my heart very, very happy. I mean, sad that it's necessary, but happy at the same time that people are healing to the point where they just want to share that healing. And I know that that is a huge piece of my story that I was so broken and I had no idea why I had no idea what I was dealing with. And when I finally kind of started figuring that out and my eyes were open, I just thought, I want everybody to know this. Everybody who's experienced what I've experienced, everybody who's struggling the way that I was struggling, I want them to know. It's like, you know the secret and now you want to share it with everybody else. So that is a big thing that has propelled me to start a podcast and to speak out about sexual abuse because I definitely know that hope is possible, that change is possible, that healing is so, so possible. And I want to be a part of sharing that with people who need to hear it and with helping people be able to heal. 
So I'm very excited just to dive in with this podcast and I'll be having guests on the show. I'm super excited next week to have Kelly M. Haynes, a survivor of sexual abuse who was on the Dr. Oz show recently. She is going to be sharing her story and chatting with me on our next episode of Survivor Sanctuary and I absolutely cannot wait. So whether you're a survivor of sexual abuse and you just, you know, want to hang out and say, hey, we're in this together, whether you want to learn and try and be a person who can have empathy and who can truly help survivors, whatever your story, whatever your reason for tuning in, thank you so much. And I appreciate you so much. And I received so many kind comments after the mini-sode was released last week. And every single comment, every single email, uh, every single text and phone call or Facebook comment, whatever it might be, has just meant so much to me. And I appreciate you guys more than you know. And uh, I would love to hear from you once again. So you can send me an email to kelly at survivorsanctuary.com. And uh, you can find me on Facebook as well. And we have a Facebook group that will be going live this week also. And you can join the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And that's going to be a safe place where uh, we are going to just be able to interact together as survivors and advocates. And I'm looking forward to that as well. So I hope you'll join me on the next episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.